Welcome to Inside the Recording Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. Hello, Jody. How are you? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I'm feeling like a burnt duck. Yeah. Uh Have you spent too much time out in the sun? Well, yes, in a sense I have, in that I have mask burn. Yeah. It's kind of like skier, well, you know, skier burn where you have the white top to your face with the goggles and everything. And below that is all like freezer burn from your wind of skiing very fast or too much sun i have the same thing except it's kind of the exact opposite where everything around my mouth and nose is white and sides of my face are like boo burned nice that's a little (laughs) painful though yeah yeah Uh, uh, they're not burned to the point of pain they're just tan and it's a little weird to have a mask tan I think. Anyway. Well, it's a uh, strange time that we're living in. So, you know. Yes. Uh, but but uh, uh, yeah, but apart from that, everything is good. Uh, yeah, for the most part. <laughs> yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> There's Get some other the things that happened already. earlier this week that sucked, but, you know, that's a, that's a whole other story for another podcast altogether. But today, sure. we're talking about. Arranging a song session, and this is part two of a two-part series on this particular one. Uh, We did last week, we were talking about things to do when you're arranging a song session, and now we're talking about it again on a different portion of the subject. And, you know, some of the subject matter for a song that happened to me earlier this week could be good fodder. Yeah. So I'll have to arrange a song session about it at some point. Okay. (laughs) Well, <laughs> that sounds like there are some stories to tell there. So, Yeah, I've been told but, I should have a reality TV series of camera people following me around just to see the shit that happens sometimes. <laughs> and often I don't believe it. it would be very interesting, but this past week it would probably be like, okay, <laughs> maybe people <yeah>. aren't lying. <laughs> <laughs> The Amazing Life of Jody. There's the theme right there. Nail it. Right there. Okay. <laughs> Use that and I'll give you half of half of the writers. There you go. Great. Um, cool. Awesome. Yeah. You don't normally give so, away half of everything just like that, but Chris just did. So thank you. <laughs> I, I, For you, I'll do it for that if I had an automatic shoe in. There you go. There you go. All right. So tracking yeah. during like the arranging a song session and tracking, that's kind of the first thing we're going to kick off with, right? Right. That's the okay. idea. We talked a little bit about the importance of um, laying things out in your DAW so you're prepared when you're sitting down and you're actually going to start the tracking. So yeah. um, for more details, go back and listen to that one. But today we're plowing forward here. And um, the... Well, we get a couple of options, right? When mm. we're tracking, do we track um, sort of like as a band? Are we tracking from top to bottom? What are we doing? So, um, from my perspective, um, for tracking from top to bottom, pretty much the only thing I would do that with would be drums. Mm. Um, and the reason I say that is because assuming that there's drums through the entire track. Yes. Um, There's 
quite difficult, I think, anyway, to have like a natural break. And okay, you're going to play that up until the chorus. Okay, we're going to come in with the chorus. There's going to be a lack of energy as well as audio ringing out, but it could have been toms or overheads or anything like that. So drums, for me, the only one that I definitely would want to go top to bottom. Top to bottom. He How means from front to back, from beginning to end. Top to bottom. That's what he's meaning. Top to bottom. Yes. I'm front not to back. from your country. From beginning to end. <laughs> mm, Something like true. that. Yeah. Well, we'll take it from the top, right? Yeah. So, um, in terms of drums, if we're going to just kind of riff on drums for a moment, uh, well, that's I'm where actually I like okay. to start anyway. Well, yeah. Uh, most, most people would lay down drums first. And, and the reason being is it's the timekeeping portion of the song, generally speaking, most often. Right. Sometimes it's not, but most often it is. I have done live drum tracking, uh, and it has incurred the nature of comping. Yes, tracking, sure. And right. and actually not going top to bottom all the time. So I'm okay with it either way. You just have to make sure that you can draw that performance out of the drummer. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's one thing of doing, you know, overdubs that you're coming in and you can just have the guy come in or the girl come in and just a couple of bars ahead of whatever that fill that they may have flubbed or whatever. Yeah. But uh, as long as you have seamless integration of the, of the takes and you're actually doing the same thing and assuming the timing is right and all that kind of stuff. Yes, but, it's um, assuming that your drummer can actually play the same thing in the same general relative space. Some drummers yeah. can, some cannot. Sure. Yeah. And I guess that that would be for just about any instrument, right? If you're like, okay, you're, you, you're playing bass and you have the same attack or you're, you know, piano or whatever it is that you're playing, you, you want to have the same kind of energy if you're going to do that kind of comping type of a thing. But that's um, where a good producer comes in and a good band or musician can follow the direction that is given. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to make sure that, the, you know, we said that we're starting with the drums. That's not always the case, though. I no. mean, it could be that you, you've tracked everything, but you've had presumably a click track or something or a programmed drum part or something like that in forehand, late, doing everything else and then um, adding drums last, perhaps. I think that was a Mutt Lang thing as well. I think he did do drums did last. That. Oh, did you drums last? He did it on, yeah. Yeah, I think he did that on... Uh, couple of the he might have done that on Def Leppard's Hysteria now of course a lot of that was programmed but um for his sake now it's a little bit different because we're dealing with DAWs and stuff and they weren't at that point but um the way he would work would he would piece everything together so you'd have an actual arrangement building the song and there you know that okay well we're going to need this type of drum part here, or we're going to need a fill going into this or an accent there or whatever it is. Um, but if you do that first, then you're locked into that arrangement. You can't change a guitar part or something if there's a, a marked hit on the drums or something like that. So um, all things being equal, I would like to start with drum stuff because it just gives you that foundation and the energy. But It's that timing thing. Yes. I actually, I recall yeah. having a late night conversation with a artist a few years back by the name of Greg Nicholson. 
Uh, he is no longer a full-time musician, but on one of his albums, he actually made the point of saying, we actually tracked the drums last and it was really weird. So it's not an uncommon thing to do that. I know I've done it on my own material yeah. as well. Um, it just depends on how you're producing and tracking something. It just depends on the band and the artist and how things flow comfortably for them. It's all about getting that comfort level. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, it is. And I, I would think um, it could possibly be one of those things also like for the bass player mm. that would like to have that foundation of the drums to, to lock in with a certain feel and um, perhaps it's not the same vibe playing to a click track or something like that. So um, if you're going into recording an artist, those are conversations that you definitely want to have. Yes. Uh, those are pre record are button hit conversations that you've got to have before red light goes on yeah ideally yes ideally very <laughs> much so <laughs> yeah anything else that you would uh sort of go from bar one to the end of the track well no uh mo i i'm one of those guys that i i'm okay with edits if it's needed sure so uh, it, if a song can be played top to bottom by everybody involved, fantastic. Saves a lot of time yeah. in that regard. Uh, but sometimes that's not always the case. So you just have to make do. That's one thing of like going to see a rehearsal of a band prior to tracking and recording them. You can know whether or not they're going to be able to do that. Um, yeah. The funny thing is, is that a lot of songs that, people think may have been tracked top to bottom not even close <laughs> yeah <laughs> and 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 you can get some shocking results of like how did they do that and other times it's like how could they not have done that so right in terms of top to bottom front to back kind of recording beginning to end uh sometimes it has to be done in overdubs and sometimes you don't have to it's it's a program dependent situation and it is a musician musicianship level situation as well i think yeah but that's that's just me yeah no i think that's um those are all valid points i mean we um if you are tracking the entire band or at least the entire rhythm section mm -hmm. together um it can certainly be a certain vibe for the musicians right so you can if you lucky you can capture that in the recordings uh where they kind of you know might be eye contact or whatever that they, they sort of feed off of each other um that's if it's you know a capable band and they have something they're used to they're well rehearsed and they're doing that um it can be hard if they're not at a certain level Yep. Let's say that there's one of the band members that might not be super comfortable, hasn't done their homework and knowing the song. And you have to take another take again because Johnny flubbed his part for the 18th time, you know. <laughs> uh, so, you know, th then that magic is probably lost somewhere around take five anyway. You know? Right. Or maybe Jody ran off and got married. I'm ripping That's off right. the, <laughs> the yeah, whole Brian, Brian Adams, Adams song. Bada boom. <laughs> Nicely done there. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, well, there so, was a band that I tracked that we didn't do it all at once because of certain factors of them not being able to get all their members together at the same time for the recording sure. session. So yeah. there's that aspect to it too, where maybe they have day jobs and they can't all be in the same place at the same time in that regard. Yeah. So then you have to look at the fact that you do it to a click track, you give guide tracks and then you track whatever is the first thing you want to have fully structured before you start laying down all the other parts. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it becomes a matter of practicality, obviously, like you said, like just to get it done and uh, in uh, the most efficient way. Yes. Um, I think so. Yeah. And I think um, some artists have a little bit of a hang up as well when they feel like, no, I have to play it from top to bottom because mm -hmm. that's, that's the way it's supposed to be done. Well, eh, is it though? You know, um, <laughs> well, that's, so, that's where you start having those discussions of like, how real do you want me to get with you right now? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> because I've it, had that same situation where musician, the musician was like, it has to be one take. Otherwise I'm not going to get the vibe and flow. And it's kind of like, I disagree. We'll try it. We'll do it as long as you want to continue paying for it. And then we'll start working in pieces where we'll get everything as needed. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, it can be a little bit of a kick to the ego there, but I think ultimately it's like we keep saying, it's a song that matters. Right. And if you have to, you know, break it up and piecemeal it, do chorus by chorus or whatever happens to be to get the ultimate results. That's what you have to do. Yes. And there's no shame in that. Yeah. None whatsoever. Yeah. None. Absolutely. So, no shame. Um, you know, the funny thing is there was a discussion that I had today with uh, another musician friend who asked me about specifically recording guitars okay. and whether or not I would record electric guitars kind of thing uh -huh. and he knows that i use software amps more often than not and he's like well would you ever mic an amp and i've said of course if i need to well all the big guys do it and i said well you'd be surprised who does and doesn't and why and why not right <laughs> and i yeah. said and then, and then i kind of posed to him i said i'd be willing to bet that all those quote-unquote big boys that you're talking about if they were given a blind listen test between a direct software amp and a mic'd up amp i'm gonna guess that it's gonna be a 50 50 toss-up if they can figure out which one's which at this point yeah and then he brought up the concept of simulating acoustic guitars and i was like why would i do that i can just mic an acoustic guitar it's not hard <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't take nearly as much time as trying to mic up an electric guitar amp so yeah uh, and he just was like, well, would you ever use an acoustic guitar simulation? I said, based on what sound source are we talking, simulating an acoustic guitar with an acoustic guitar or with an electric guitar? And he starts bringing up various things. And I'm thinking these are bizarre things to think about, <laughs> but yeah. okay, I'll roll with it. And that, that's all this kind of stuff that you need to talk through with your artist before you get into 
a recording session with them for recording their song. You need to know what they want to do. And that's what it ultimately came down to. My answer to him was, is like, if you need a particular sound and a particular setup to get your ego stroked in the right way to get this song recorded properly, that's what we do. Yeah. That's how it gets done. Uh, is it necessarily the right? There's no right or wrong way with that. There are guitar sounds that people think are the greatest sounds on earth. And they'd be shocked to learn that it was probably direct right into the console. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and there was no amp or, you know, and it was no distortion pedal or what have you. So it, it, it really just comes down to on that part where you're doing the tracking is like, you've got to stroke the artist's ego in some way, shape, or form to get that performance out of them so that the song comes across correctly. However yeah. it's done in that regard. Right. Yeah. Just whatever makes him comfortable to, to be able to perform at the level that they need to be performing. You know, especially that, if they want to go. Yeah. Especially if they want to go top down, front to yeah. back, you know, beginning to end. So, yeah. You know, if they want to, if they, if they can't do that, then you have to start breaking it up as we've kind of been hinting at section by section and thinking of sections. This is a good section to say, let's have a word from the people that are help putting the bills together for us. And now moving on to section by section. Right. So, um, probably my favorite way to work. I like doing it because I I think that um, it brings a certain like energy to the part or focus to the part. Focus um, is a good word for it, I think. Yeah, because you're, um, again, it de obviously depends on the song where you have, like if there are things that are ringing out into the different sections and you don't have a clear break or whatever happens to be. But um, if you are, there are ways around that. Yes, there are. But <laughs> let's say that you're, for example, let's talk about guitars first, because mm -hmm. I like guitars. Um, you if don't you say. I, I do say. Um, and um, let's say that you have. It's a clean guitar part that you're you're doing some beautiful arpeggiated chords or some finger picking during the verse, and then Ooh. you kick in with more of a chordal thing mm -hmm. could even be like big power chords in the chorus that's your ideal situation for like doing it separately yeah right um so you can really focus on that okay well on that arpeggiated part that you're playing uh oh that that b string didn't really ring out the way we wanted it to do that again and you don't have to worry about going into your fat power chords afterwards so uh for me it's that just a matter of focus on the detail on that and i think it's hard for some people to really apply that focus and paying attention to from again from like the downbeat to the other one so if you're if you're one of those people section by section is, is a good way to go yeah section by section it's actually one of my good ways of working yeah i tend to do it a fair amount pheromone pheromone yeah. pheromone now <laughs> um speaking of section to section one yes. thing that um I know both you and I do mm -hmm. is I'm not talking about necessarily, let's say, okay, say chorus one is the same as chorus three. Uh, it doesn't mean, okay, cool. We've recorded the guitars in chorus one. Let's just move them and copy them to copy to the and chorus. paste. Yeah. 
I don't do that. Um, I, I don't do that either. I, um, it's like, that's like the anti, unless I need something to be pers- yeah, specifically sounding like identical, which is rare. I don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like the, I like the idea of playing it again. It's the same that we talked about layering guitars in that episode. Like you, you don't duplicate a part. Play it again because it's those minor changes that are going to make it feel a little bit more alive, even if it's just a subconscious thing. So um, I'm a big fan of, of doing that. Uh, I, I, in the past, when I started with recording, uh, I didn't do that. <laughs> uh, and then you, why do my song just sound like it's just pasted together? Well, dummy, because it is pasted together. Yeah, that, that's exactly why. Part after part. Yes. Yeah. No, copy and paste is not my thing. And generally speaking, a lot of the times green in the studio artists or artists who are not very well uh, studio wise often do not grasp the concept of section by section recording because they think you're going to copy and paste and it's kind of like nope you're going to perform it and then we're going to talk a little bit more and then you're going to perform the next section and then you get through that and we'll talk to the next section and we think through each part it's the focus thing that you mentioned earlier you're laser focusing all of the attention on each section so that it can do what it needs to do and yeah. sound in the end like one long grand performance. Yeah. And also what we talked about last episode about setting up your session in a certain way when you know, okay, here's at bar, whatever, here's where the chorus kicks in, right? And the second chorus is 16 bars later, whatever. So that when you have that focus and you, you, you got that first chorus recorded, then you move on to the next course. You go straight there, and then you record that again. You have that focus. You keep that momentum going. Yeah, and for then the maybe section. you do it. Yeah, it, maybe you do a duplicate of that. <laughs> maybe you triple it. Whatever the arrangement calls for. Here. <laughs> um, but but whatever you have to do, so you keep that momentum and you got that focus on those parts. Mm-hmm. So I, I treat most instruments instruments that way, whether it's guitar, bass, keyboard, piano, whatever it happens to be. And um, I know you're going to agree with me on this, but I think the vocal performance is arguably even more important Well, doing it that way. Yeah, well, it can be. Uh, it depends, I think, heavily on the vocalist. But just to jump in, if we jump from guitars to bass, because we already kind of discussed the drums and yeah, other instruments are falling by the wayside, there is a anecdotal anecdotal story of mine where i was recording a band mm-hmm. the bass player did not make it to the first recording session uh session hence the reason i was mentioning that sometimes not all the players make it to every session and uh, i guess he had a discussion with the drummer <laughs> with how difficult <laughs> it was for him that the bass player decided to quit the band before he got to record his parts. So I had to hire a session bass player to come in and play. And he was a little green in the studio, but he was like gung-ho to do the song and do everything. So I had to go. He knew the song, but he didn't know it so spot on that he could play it straight through with the bass. So I had to go through section by section, piece by piece, and 
coach him. It's like, at this point, let's get this vibe, this role, let's go here. And he, he actually said afterwards, he's like, it's amazing how you did that. Being hmm. able to coach me through all of this and to get it sounding like I played the whole thing from front to back. And it actually sounded like an actual performance rather than being like little bits pieced together. Yeah. Which is essentially what it was. It was little bits pieced together, but it was pieced together with the right concept in each section as it went along. So uh, it worked out quite well. Now, but, but, that, th but that's the idea, right? When you, it's it not supposed to, to sound, yeah, it's not supposed to sound piecemeal together. It's just that that's, you well, know, most that's, of the time, there are some songs that are probably meant to sound piecemeal. Oh, sure. It's, yeah, yeah. It's not often. Yeah. Right. So, but in terms of like, piecemealing most instruments you can get away with doing that when it comes to the vocals on the other hand this is where most people especially if it's a vocal oriented song which most most of the time when you do have vocals they kind of are vocal oriented sure. because there's words that need to be said and people need to understand them and hear them hopefully or not depending on the <laughs> vocalist <laughs> and in that regard uh, I think it's very difficult for most vocalists to do a song from top to bottom. Can it be done? Yeah. Sure. But most vocalists can't do it very well. It, it's a lot of effort. It's an extreme I mean, I, amount of effort. You know, yeah. So, yeah, I think it was, um, I, th I think it was Brian Adams. Uh-oh. I think it, it was, Back well, to nothing. I, I think it was an, an interview with, um, Bob Clearmountain, I think. Um, and he would talk about the, the way that Brian liked to do his vocals, mm. at least at, at this time. I, I And if I'm wrong on this, I'm wrong. But I think he liked to do them phrase by phrase. And, that, and that's how he kept that, that sort of like his power and everything. And he could really project that heavily through the whole song. Sure. Because it was done that way. Um, but... So now I probably ruined that for somebody that's going to listen to that now <laughs> and try to figure that out. But um, it to me, it doesn't sound like that. It just sounds like a really powerful performance. You sure. Know? And that's and, what it's uh, meant to sound like. Yeah. Now, there's probably different if you have somebody like Aretha, Flan Aretha Franklin. Uh, say that 10 probably, times fast. Yeah, I'm not going to try that. But um, for her, that might you know, throw her off, right? Because sure. obviously she's, she's an insanely talented woman, right? So um, for somebody like that, that they, they might just ruin their vibe if they have to do it, you know, piecemealing well, it. But believe she's a rare a, talent. Yes, know? and there's another rare talent, like in Celine Dion, apparently. I've heard a story where she went in to record some song and it was the first take, from my understanding, that they did. Yeah. And then the producer being the normal multiple take kind of guy that he was made her sing it like another 40 times or something like that. And then, a fan, and then apologized after listening to everything because it ended up just being the first take. So yeah. uh, be aware of that stuff. Don't let that happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's that. You burn out the That's singer. Yeah, burn them out. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, we have to do an overdub. Well, now my voice is shot, so we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, pack, pack it until tomorrow. Yeah. No, there are 
you know, some people can do that. I think it's just just don't have the assumption that that's the way it has to be done for it to be good. Right. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think it was also, and again, I could be wrong, but I remember reading something where Sinatra would be that way too. He would Top to bottom? Go, yeah. He would just well, they go had to. And, well, well, no, but I, when he went in and did his vocals at like Capitol or whatever, he would go in and have his favorite mic and it's all set up and he would go up and he'd maybe do it twice and boom, that was it, you know. Um, so he would just, yeah, the whole thing through, you know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, you know, then there's us deadly people that, uh, well, I don't really <laughs> sing at all. So <laughs> I know my limitations. Um, so in, in kind of flowing on with the whole vocal thing, if the singer isn't doing it in one take, and this is more often than not, you yeah. will be going section by section. Yes. And sometimes within the section, as you've mentioned with Brian Adams, it's phrase by phrase. And mm -hmm. in even more neurotic kind of recording, it can be word by word. Yeah. And that can get tough to kind of edit all that together appropriately. Sure, yeah. It's getting yeah. easier with today's technology, but it still can be tough. Yeah. To make it sound smooth and fluid and as if it was done in the one take that everybody might assume it was. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it can be very difficult. Um, I think hopefully um, people have done their homework before they they start singing, right? And they yeah. they actually think about how they're going to deliver something and and what what am I singing here? What kind of emotion do we need to get out of this? Or um, and just be prepared to to duplicate that when when the red light is on, so to speak. Yeah, I, I would actually, in terms of all of the vocalists that I've worked with over the years, ninety seven percent require coaching, yeah, of some sort. To get the vibe, to get it to work, to to get the action, it it is very rare. I've probably worked with maybe four vocalists where I required nothing from me other than to hit the record button and say, "Damn, we got it! Damn, yeah. we got it!" You know, I I can think of one female artist that I've recorded and written songs with who goosebumps on my arms on certain songs just because it was like down nailed it just yeah. boom didn't have to say a thing you know um it's special when that happens i had a similar is. experience uh, maybe a year ago now where i had a uh, female singer do some vocals for me and um i wanted certain kind of vibe it was kind of like a soulful kind of a thing and uh came in set her up and she's like okay as we're doing okay boom and did the one take and i'm like yeah okay great can you do <laughs> one more just to be safe and she did another one okay that's awesome um uh, I'm like okay, that was 15 minutes. Did you do you hear anything else? And <laughs> do you she need a coffee? Riff, right, <laughs> and it was just, you know she was riffing and it just it was just like gold. And it was, I think we were everything I needed and more within an hour. And I was like, okay, awesome, let's go to dinner. <laughs> you know, yeah. And uh, it, it was really really cool. Um, but um, well, yeah, and that's when happens, that's when an artist can do their homework ahead of time. So. I've had a situation where I was being recorded for doing vocals on a video game. Uh-huh. 
and the producer slash mix engineer, recording engineer, probably the guy mastered it as well, has a resume from like the top of a 10 story building down to the street of like the who's who in the business. And I did my homework. I knew what I was going to be singing ahead of time. So I practiced it. I get in there and three takes in, he turns around and says, man, what a pleasure it is to work with somebody that knows what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of those things where it was like, uh, is this not common? Yeah. And he sits there in silence and then he turns back around. Well, he didn't turn around. He sits there in silence for a moment and then he says no comment and turned back around and we got going again. And the first time I worked with a vocalist like that, where I said literally the same thing, was a guy named Claude Woods. Yeah. And uh, he just came in and he opened his mouth and started singing and it was like, man, what a pleasure it is to work with somebody that knows what they're doing. <laughs> it kind of makes you laugh and makes you perk up and everything's all honky dory and it's fine and it's fun and it's great because you're not having to put in a ton of effort in a sense to draw some kind of performance out of the artist to make the song happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I should probably thank uh, that singer. Her name is Crystal, Crystal Cluley. Uh, so thank you, Crystal. It was a pleasure. Cece for sure. Cece. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so working section by section, uh, don't feel like you have to do it from top to bottom. I think it is the, thing here and when you're when we can move like you said setting up the session and everything we can move from section to section uh make decisions to what is needed there as you're building it up um it, it gets a lot faster to kind of get the recording going hence the reason um, to have that spreadsheet from part one of this two-part series yeah you get an overview you you know what you need and this and that and, and uh, you make constant copious notes as you're doing the tracking so that you know what you're going to go back to when you start comping yep yeah yes. also uh, speeds things up very very helpful absolutely yeah so um, if you've properly set up your daw and you know where all your sections are and you know how you're going to track it it makes it very easy to get around yeah I remember not everybody is part of the wrecking crew, but they're going to play <laughs> <laughs> top to bottom and everything is going to be great. Um, That's right. Yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah. For the two minute Tuesday tip on this one. We're what do gonna, you propose? I'm proposing that we're going to show a session that you can see all the bits and pieces, the sections of style. Instead of the straight drawn out from top to bottom parts, you can see how something was sectioned. Sure. Sure. Sound good? Sounds like Sounds a plan. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a good plan. All Absolutely. right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up today's episode. I think it will. I, I don't think, think I have I think anything more to add to that. Me neither. All um, right. So I guess we'll end it on a note where we go, huh, okay. See you later, Chris. <laughs> See you, Jody. Have a good one. See everybody out there. Well, you can see us or hear us next week. <laughs>